And I really feel like in my heart of hearts, like my deepest feeling is that my husband passed away first so that he could be there for her. Mm. And so that's, I think that helps me a lot in my grief is knowing that she's not alone. She has her dad there. Yeah. And so I just imagine him saying, I got this, like yeah. you got your life now. I got her. We'll see you later. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Welcome to the death of my season two, episode four, with my new friend, Rachel. She has the craziest story of just, she lost her husband and her daughter, both in a very short amount of time, only a few years ago, and just being able to hear her story, share her feelings, talk about grief and the death and where she's at now is so beautiful and just the way she talks about them and honors them i i haven't heard anything like it to be honest and she has her own podcast good days bad days podcast also about grief which i love just we're both just two people just trying to share our experience and hear other people's stories and i'm so glad that she's doing that a little housekeeping new merchandise came out on teespring it's in the depth of my bio on instagram please check it out we got a few shirts got a sweatshirt got a mug got a poster just wanting to spread the death of mine what it means and you know if you're wherever listening and you you wear this shirt that has a rose on it or it says the death of mine people are gonna be like what is that and hopefully you could share your story or what it's about and and just letting people be able to share their feelings and and how they're doing with their grief or their thoughts about death and i'm just ready to open up the conversation and stop holding it in you know well without further ado please enjoy rachel hi it's your dad just calling to say hi check it up and see how you're doing i hope all is well everything's pretty much the same here i'm doing okay Love you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so Hello. glad. So glad we're doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Of course. If you wouldn't mind just sharing your name, who you are, what you do, where where in the world you are, just all the goodies. Sure. Um, my name is Rachel Vonnie. I am currently in San Diego, California, <laughs> sunny San Diego. Uh, I am a digital marketer by trade. Uh, and I guess what brings me on to this podcast is my uh, husband and my daughter died. So <laughs> I think that's maybe a great intro. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I don't love it, but you know. Yeah, it's terrible. It's yeah, awful. I... <laughs> I have so many questions and this might, I might be all over the map for this one because I love that you're also doing a podcast to help people. And thank you. And you also, I also want you to share your story about what happened with both of them and, and your grief and where you're at now. So if you're okay with that, I might just ask a a million questions. Yeah. I'm an open, I'm an open book. Go ahead. All right. Um, is it who 
who died first, who passed first. Yeah. So um, well, I'll give you like kind of like a little timeline because it's kind of it's a, it's a little bit complex. So yeah. we had my daughter in 2014, and when she was born, she when she was about a day old, she went into a coma, and we had no idea what was going on. Um, we later found out a couple of days later that she was born with a very rare disease. Uh, it's called a fatty oxidation disorder. The specific one that she had was called multiple acyl-CoA dehydrogenase deficiency or MAD. It's a, it's a lot. It's a, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, and it was a very rare disease that was very severe, really poor prognosis. And we went home on hospice care. So that was my first introduction into this whole, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose someone. Yeah. And she, um, when we got home, it was, you know, she had a lot of medical, uh, complexities. She had a G tube. We had to deal with surgeries, multiple hospital stays, and she also couldn't go longer than three hours without eating. So it's, it was around the clock care. So we were very stressed out. She actually did okay. She um, made it um, until she was uh, three and a half. But before, before that was back up, at two, two years old, on her second birthday, actually, my husband was having some back pain and we thought it was kidney stones. He had had kidney stones in the past. So we were like, no big deal. And I was getting ready for her birthday party and I was kind of dismissive. I was like, can you just drive yourself to the ER, get some drugs? Yeah, you'll I'll be like, fine. Pick, yeah, I'll pick you up later. Um, oh, by the way, sorry. Can you hear that? My yeah. AC just went on. Hold That's on. That's okay. Yeah. So my husband went to the ER and we didn't think anything of it until he called me in the middle of the party. I'm there with my family and we're celebrating my daughter's second birthday, which we didn't even think we were going to get a first birthday. So we are very happy. And I just remember him saying, they think I have cancer. And I just the day he showed up. mm -hmm, It was really bad. He had can't, he had tumors up and down his spine, all, all everywhere. I mean, he was completely cancered out (laughs) and, Um, I guess based on his blood work, they were able to say, hey, this is likely lymphoma is what they generally said. So he was in a lot of pain. Um, And so we went to, I followed up with his doctor, found out he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, So trying to think of like how to do this timeline. So I was busy taking care of him. And then my daughter who also had all these medical complexities still, and we were trying to decide whether to get um, a liver transplant. She was actually going to be the first pediatric liver transplant for her disease. So we're juggling all these things in his cancer treatment. And he finished chemo in the summer of 2016. And everything looked great. Like they were very optimistic with his type of cancer. They said, oh, you have an 80% chance of kicking this thing. You're young, you're healthy. Yeah. Uh, so we were honestly compared to my daughter's disease. We were kind of like, oh, okay, this is not a big deal. We're just going to yeah. get treatment, move past it. But in July of 2016, about a month after he finished chemo, he started having pain again in the same areas and found out that the cancer had already started growing back 
He was very aggressive. And so he underwent more treatment in preparation for a bone marrow transplant. And we were on that journey, which is a long journey as well. It's very, it's a very complicated process. Um, so we went through that. Unfortunately, in September uh, 2016, I went to go wake him up from a nap and he wouldn't wake up. And I found out after going to the hospital and going through all his doctors and everything uh, at the hospital that the cancer had gone to his brain and he was essentially in a medical coma. Just after a nap? Yeah. It, he was He was like, I don't feel very good. I'm going to go lay down. Yeah. And whenever I went in to go wake him up because it had been two hours and I wanted to make sure he was okay and right. give him some water because he was not feeling very good mm -hmm. and I couldn't wake him up. His blood or his, not his blood, his heart rate was in the 20s 30s very very slow heart rate yeah. so the ambulance came and and took him to the hospital and we rushed and i just remember them doing all sorts of crazy things to him in the er like putting the panels on and yeah. they were preparing for him to crash and i was just standing there and i know a lot of people say it's like a movie because you're so you're so removed from the situation because yeah. you're trying to protect your yourself. And so I just remember standing there and I had completely numb. I didn't know what to think at the time. Yeah. Uh, they were like, well, maybe he's had a stroke. Maybe this has happened. Maybe he's, you know, they, they threw out like 500 different reasons right. why he was like that. But after about a couple of days, we found out it was actually the cancer had gone into his spinal fluid and was affecting his brain really cool stuff that they can do now is they can inject chemo directly into the spinal fluid. And he actually came out of his coma and started talking. And it's not like in the movies where you wake up from a coma and you're totally Fine. cognizant yeah. and articulate. Uh, it took about three weeks for him to be able to talk again, but he was honestly not the same person. Yeah it was uh, very jarring. Like he couldn't remember my name. He didn't know about his daughter. He didn't recognize where we were. He thought we were back in Texas. I'm from Texas originally. Yeah. So he was really confused for a while. And then we continued on to treatment and it just kept going back and forth. We were in this limbo of back and forth chemo. And then in um, November, Actually, it was right after Halloween. So Halloween, we had actually a great Halloween. He dressed up. We handed out mm. candy together. It was. He was back home. Yeah, he went. He came back home for a couple weeks in between there, and then would end up in the hospital. And but on Halloween, we were home, and I remember he was so stoked to hand out candy. He was that was his favorite thing to do, yeah. and he wore himself out. Actually, I was kind of mad at him. I was like, "Go lay down." You're doing yeah. too much. And he's like, no, I want to keep going. And that was about the closest I ever got to having him back. And it was probably one of my most favorite memories of us as a family because my daughter was there and she dressed up and we all dressed up together and had such a great night. But um, a couple of days, I think it was like November 1st or November 2nd, he was back in the hospital and things were quickly becoming apparent that this was not a good situation. Um, he went unconscious. I think it was 
I think it was like November 6th was the last time I talked to him. And then I got a call from the hospital when I went home at like 5 a.m., which you never want to get those calls at 5 a.m. from the hospital that he had to be intubated. And at that point, um, that was really the last kind of few days. He passed away on November 9th. On his own or did you? I had to make that decision, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, They let me know that at this point, he had undergone two brain surgeries to relieve pressure on his brain. He had gone through every bit of chemo that they could have possibly given him. They said the only other option would be to do radiation on the brain. But when you radiate the brain, it's really bad. It's not, you're not the same person. You're essentially going to be either changes your personality completely, or you could be in a vegetative state and I knew that that's not what he wanted. We had talked about that at length on what he would want. Yeah. And so I made that decision to say, no, that's enough. It's time. I'm sure he would not want to be in that situation. So I uh, made the decision and organized it so his family could say goodbye and everyone, because everyone had to fly in and yeah. everything like that. So it it was a very awkward situation too because his parents had never liked me um they were never fans uh they wanted a traditional wife who would you know barefoot pregnant in the kitchen kind of situation and i was yeah and i wanted to go to law school i wanted to be a career person and my husband tommy wanted to be a stay-at-home dad and so that's what's that was our setup. Yeah. They did not like that very much. So that was, it just progressively got worse over the years that we were married. And then um, at the end of his life, they blamed me for his cancer. They blamed me, excuse me. They blamed me for um, him choosing chemo over natural. They wanted him to go eat vegetables in Mexico and juice, I guess. Um, but that's not him. That's not what he wanted. I, yeah. I left it completely up to him. And you know what? Like if someone, if someone is dealing with something so big as cancer and that's their decision that they want to make and they yeah. do want to just go to Mexico and do an alternative treatment, that's your body. You have yeah. to make those decisions, but he didn't want that. So, yeah. um, so, uh, we actually got to the point where, um, I couldn't be in the same room with them at the hospital. Um, one during one of the visits, she threatened the mother-in-law threatened me. And so I was kind of nervous about my safety at that point. Um, luckily one of the nurses overheard her. And so we were able to organize it so that I set up visiting hours for them that I wasn't there and vice versa. So, um, it's a stressful part that you never think you'd have to deal with whenever you're losing someone. And you're literally, I mean, I have a million questions, even just as a human, you, first off, you have a daughter still, like you're, you're taking care of, you have bills to pay, you have, you have her hospital visits. This is all before you even think about yourself and think about what you need to do. I, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes at that time. And it's like, the last thing you need is anyone to either tell you what to do or to, or to say what you did wrong or blame you. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, you I just, was... Sorry, go on. You just need, like, a, a food. You know, you just need to, to sit for a second. Not... I couldn't even imagine that. 
It was um, heartbreaking. I felt bad for my husband more than anything because I didn't want conflict around him. He was facing the end of his life. And the last thing I wanted was a negative energy around him. You know, I wanted it to be as positive as possible. So um, the hospital actually had a social worker that helped me work that out. And they were really super kind and understanding. And so it all worked out really well. Um, the end of his life was actually beautiful. It was, I had um, his family that I did get along with that were super sweet. They were super supportive through his entire cancer journey. Uh, they were there for the end of his life. My best friend and her husband who had been really good friends of both of us. And we all just stood around him and we just told him how much we loved him and played his favorite music and were laughing and joking. And I was in bed holding him and it was an absolutely beautiful experience as sad as it was. I'm so thankful that I was able to get that. I know there's a lot of people that don't get that with their loss of their loved one. So it was, it was the way that I would want to go out, you know, surrounded yeah. by friends and family telling me how much they love me and yeah. sublime playing in the background. And <laughs> <laughs> so it was, um, it was beautiful. I actually, but after he passed away, um, my really good friend who is also my daughter's hospice nurse, I invited her to come and help me kind of organize his passing. And she came in, she was the first one to come in after he had passed away and said, he's gone. And I just looked at her and I said, wow, that was beautiful. That was Mm -hmm. a beautiful death. And it's, it sounds so weird, but Mm -hmm. it makes a difference. It really does. Um, I really feel like that's, it's made a huge difference in my grieving afterwards. Um, so after he passed away, I had my daughter to take care of. I was suddenly a single mom of a daughter who had special needs. What were you doing with her during all these trips back and forth to the hospital? Were you bringing her with you or someone watching her? Um, We had a nurse full-time. Oh, good. At our house, yeah. So from seven to three or whatever, and she was actually staying later than her normal work shift. She became a really close family friend. And she... She's essentially what I consider an angel on earth. Her name was Norma. She was the sweetest woman I have ever met in my whole life. And so she helped. My parents were here, so they would help watch her. They knew her care. My dad stepped up, and my mom did too. Like Both my parents just really stepped up to learn her care and what you know, how to do a G-tube feeding, when were her meds, because she has meds every three hours that she has to take, and what meds have to be refrigerated and which don't. And I mean, it's a lot. And so they really, they really both stepped up considerably to help during that really, really hard time. So I wouldn't have survived without them. Special. It was. And then, um, our... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, like I said, I have a million questions. Yeah, go, um, go shoot them. Are they still alive? Yeah, my parents are, they're in Texas. They're in Austin now. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I yeah, Austin's such a cool city. And they're there with my sister. My sister also lives in Austin. My sister has twins, so she needs their help. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was November of 2016. Yeah, that was November 2016. And going through the holidays was really tough because, um, 
you know, when you have a child who really doesn't understand what's going on, she's just asking for her dad. She didn't, she was nonverbal, but we had this um, iPad that she used to communicate and she would always like hit his face and say, you know, daddy, daddy, daddy. And um, I had to teach her, you know, daddy's in your heart. He's not here, but he's in your heart. And so she'd always just like pat her heart whenever we talked about him. And it was, it was really it's hard enough dealing with your own grief, but then also trying to navigate your child and explaining it to them, especially a young child is so difficult, but it really gave me an appreciation for the time that we had. And, you know, moving forward, I was like, what the hell do I do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, um, but at this point, my daughter was towards the beginning of the next year, she wasn't doing so well. Mm. Um, her liver was really not doing so great. So we moved forward with the idea of a liver transplant and man, dealing with like figuring out how to do a liver transplant and be the first one for a disease props to my team at, uh, Rady's and UCSD. Yeah. Cause they were the only people who really they worked tirelessly to help us out to try and get a transplant and that be an option. Yeah. Um, so we started that process, which is also a very extensive and long process. And during that time, I was just trying to survive, deal with my grief. And a big part of that for coping with me was exercise. So one of my, um, friends was a part of a CrossFit gym that I used to be a part of back in the day, but I, I kind of was, you know, so busy with everything else that I never went back after, after my school. So they offered me to essentially just work out there for free in exchange for some writing, which I write uh, as my job. So they took me under their wing and they helped me and I'll, gosh, yeah. Shout out to CrossFit Invictus. So <laughs> they helped me immensely. And then I got back into martial arts. I started doing jujitsu. I was, I did judo for many, many years before and got back into it. And that helped me mentally a lot as well. Just the, the moving your body, there's something very healing in that yeah. and that you can focus on something. And I made really great friends and shout out to Broom. So <laughs> I have lots of shout outs. To I me. love it. Yeah. So they, both of those places really helped me during that time. And, um, and then in, when was it? May, end of May, my, I noticed my daughter was really not doing well. She, she, one day in particular, she didn't look good at all. I had gotten back home from being out. My dad was watching her and I looked at her eyes. I was like, there's something just not right. Yeah. Checked her blood oxygen level and she was satting in the high eighties, which is not good. You want to be like 95 and up. So mm -hmm. called her doctor. We had oxygen at the house. So I just popped her on some oxygen and went back up. I called her doctor saying, Hey, you know, are we cool to stay home for a while? Cause they know that at this point I'm really good at kind of monitoring. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, but the next day it wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, so she wasn't, um, st her sats weren't staying up and I made the decision to go to the ER at that point, thinking that it wasn't going to be a huge deal. I thought maybe she was just sick and because her rare disease is so crazy, it, 
it responds in different ways. So I was thinking, oh, she's just maybe sick, maybe needs some medicine. We'll, you know, stay for a week or so and then leave. But she just progressively got worse and worse. And they ended up, it was June 3rd. I remember very specifically because my best friend's birthday and I felt so bad calling her on her birthday to come mm-hmm. visit me at the hospital. <laughs> and um, I remember I went to go home and take a shower, get some new clothes. My dad stayed at the hospital with my daughter and I came back and she looked horrible. And I was fighting with the doctors to try and get the right tests because the problem when you have a child with a rare disease is people don't know how to treat her. So you have to kind of be an expert in it. Yeah. I was asking them for specific tests. They finally ran it and found that she was doing terribly and Um, she ended up at that point being long story short, she became intubated and they decided to airlift us to UCLA, which is where we were going to have the liver transplant. Mm. So there were too many doctors that were going to be with her on the flight. So I couldn't go on the, on the helicopter with her, which I was, that was probably one of the hardest things ever is having to leave her and just trust that these people are going to do the right thing. Yeah. And, um, so I, I went up to UCLA at like 10, 10 PM. We left, I think we got there at like 1 AM or something like that and waited for her. And, um, the guy I was dating at the time, thank God, he was there and helped me. Like I, there was no way I could have driven at that point. I was so emotionally like wiped and we stayed at UCLA for probably close to a week. Uh, and then June 8th, uh, they essentially said there's nothing that they can do. She was just getting worse and worse. And there's so when, when things start kind of with her disease, whenever things start going wrong, they, it's almost like a snow pile, like an avalanche. It just keeps Mm -hmm. getting worse and worse and worse. So at that point they said there was nothing more that they could do and she passed away. Uh, And same kind of situation. I had to make that decision that, okay, there's nothing really else. Her kidneys started failing. And when your kidneys start failing, you start uh, accumulating fluids in your body and you can't get rid of them. And it's, it's really bad. It's very painful. Um, people get really swollen and I didn't want to see her that way. I know that I didn't want her to be in pain. So, um, yeah, I held her and it was, I tried to make it a beautiful death and it's horrible sounding, but whenever you're dealing with that, you just want the best situation possible. So I put on music I had my family come in and say goodbye. My sister flew in and was there and everyone just said their goodbyes and I just held her. And, you know, the weird part about it with both her and my husband is they wouldn't pass on, but whenever I said, it's okay, you can go, they immediately passed away. It Mm. was very weird. Like Um, they heard you and mm -hmm. said, yeah. Yeah. Like they were holding on. They didn't want to go, but I told them I'll be okay. You can go. And I really feel like in my heart of hearts, like my deepest feeling is that my husband passed away first so that he could be there for her. Mm. And so that's, I think that helps me a lot in my grief is knowing that she's not alone. She has her dad there. Mm. And so I just imagine him saying, I got this, like, 
yeah. you got your life now. I got her. We'll see you later. <laughs> so yeah. Sorry. That's a really, that's a lot. It's a lot. I know yeah. it's a long story. So. I love it. And I, I mean, I, like I said, I have a trillion questions. Um, well, I, I guess before I dive into it, like how three years later, four years later, how are you now today? Yeah. So it's been three years since my daughter passed away. Um, and I guess like almost four, almost four for my husband. I'm, things are good. Things are great. You know, life goes on. It's, and that might sound really, sound really cold to people, but I think it's a beautiful thing that I'm still alive and I'm, I'm here. And I, I know that I try to live my life in a way that I know they would want me to. So unexpectedly, like two months after my daughter passes away, I meet this guy. I met him at a baseball game, (laughs) super Mm -hmm. random. And we literally fall head over heels in love with each other. I was not expecting it. I didn't, not that you're like, I didn't want to, but I was literally talking to my friend about, I don't think I should get in relationships. I need to just, you know, focus on me and my grief. But, um, I just, I mean, we, I fell hard. (laughs) And so, uh, I ended up getting engaged, uh, nine months later and married three months after that. So, uh, and then a month after we got married, I got pregnant and now I have a beautiful, amazing, a little older than one-year-old. He's like 15 months. So, it was a complete whirlwind yeah. and very unexpected, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So yeah. yeah, life is, life is good. Life is beautiful. And I try to, I still live my life with the memories that I had of Tommy and Charlie. Charlie was my daughter. Tommy yeah. was my husband. And so I, and I tried, and then that's kind of the basis of why I started my podcast. Um, uh, shameless plug, good days, bad days. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I started the podcast because I felt like that was the missing piece of my grief journey was to turn around and have gratitude for what I have had with, with them. And then also just the hearing from other people. And, um, I know you can relate from, you know, I, I binge listened to your podcast. So oh, you great. have listened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. Okay. Cool. Oh, I totally, I totally binged it. <laughs> and, um, there's so much that you can learn from other people's stories. And yeah. so I think that's been a really healing piece too. That's amazing. I mean, what a crazy, how old are you? Sorry. I, oh, I no, know that's, that's okay. not even. No, no, it's totally kosher. Um, I am, I just forget all the time. I'm 34. Yeah, 34. I just so, had a birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. So you, this is like 29, 30. When all this yeah, I was 30 when my yeah. husband passed away. Yeah. I think, yeah. 30, 31, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, so the day that he passed, We'll just go back from there. The day yeah. he passed, you it was beautiful. You had your people there. And mm-hmm. what was it like going home that night? Oh, it was so lonely. Yeah. Especially, I mean, not to get political here, 
but the the night before he passed was election day. And so I was up the whole night um, just dealing with the results of the election yeah. and also, you know, having to essentially like I knew the next day my husband was going to die. So it was very it was a horrible day. Yeah. And um, the night was very weird. The next morning I felt was even weirder. I actually slept that night, which I hadn't slept in days, yeah. I think because I finally knew that he wasn't in pain yeah. and he could relax. So I could relax. Do you feel like you had this peace over you in a sense? Absolutely. You know, I wasn't a religious person by any means yeah. um, beforehand. I was, I would say I was like agnostic, you know, I was open to ideas, but I didn't really, I mean, I grew up Catholic, but I wasn't like Catholic Catholic, sure. you know, yeah. I was like a son, I was like an Easter Sunday Catholic. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, um, when he passed away, there was this immense feeling of peace and love in the room. Mm. And it's very hard to describe, but it's only, only what I could imagine is the feeling of what God God's presence feels like it was it was so profound and so um real that it really made me more spiritual I wouldn't even say more religious because I feel like I'm still probably in that agnostic stance like I still I go to church and stuff but I feel like I'm really open to to things but I think that's what God's love feels like. It's, it's, Mm. it was this immense overwhelming feeling of peace and love. And so, and I felt it with him and when my daughter passed away. So, um, I felt like that lingered through the night after. And then in the morning, it just felt like, oh, this is real. Like it hit me a little bit more. Yeah. And Mm then I, I guess the question I have, because I do have people that I've talked to and people in my world that they've lost their husbands and it's always the most awkward and they I know they they feel the most uncomfortable like dating again or being out in that world what is just like one thing like let's dive deep just like one thing you'd want to say to people that like it's okay to start seeing people and oh yeah I mean I (laughs) I was looked at so badly because I started dating really quickly after. And it wasn't that I was like looking for love right after anything. I'm just a super extroverted person. And whenever you're in your thirties and every, all your friends are married, they don't want to hang out with you like on Thursday night. So I just started dating as a way to meet people and go do fun things. Like I think people put so much pressure on themselves when they start dating to their dating for a purpose, but you could just go out on dates for fun. Like you don't have to have it lead anywhere or do anything. Like you could just say, Hey, be open about it. Just be like, Hey, I'm not really looking for, for anything serious. I'm not looking, I mean, maybe some people take that the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm not looking for any, you know, anyone to, um, you know, fall in love with, but I do want someone that is open to having fun adventures on the weekend and we could go, you know, camping or go to the movie together. Just, I feel like being alone as a widow is just because society expects that is such a mistake. Yeah. But I think you have to just do what you're comfortable with. If you want to, and you're comfortable doing that, go ahead. Who cares? Mm. Um, There's, 
there's actually a really great article written by Patton Oswald, the comedian. His uh, wife passed away and he got remarried very quickly after, I think after about a year or so. And he wrote an amazing article about his experience with dealing with people who thought poorly about that decision. So anyway, that's, I read that and I was like, oh, that's so true. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's totally fine to date. It might be really awkward and you might think you're ready and then you realize you're not. And that's okay too. Yeah, you tried. (laughs) Yeah, you tried. I just want to, if anyone's listening, just like block out the noise from everyone else. You do you, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone and everyone's different. Everyone's grief is different. Yeah. Everyone's experience is different. So who no one knows you or what's right for you better than you. So mm, I love it. And then your daughter. So I some of my closest friends in the whole world just lost their she was three or three as well. Mm, um yeah, she was three and a half. Yeah. Uh and they had I know she was born with like her heart on the other side of her chest mm-hmm. and like some mm-hmm. organs and and I don't know the full story of what happened but this just happened maybe a few weeks ago now mm. um and so what what was it like those first few days weeks months mm. you know Losing my daughter was the first couple days I really don't remember very well. I think I just blocked it out. I just remember it being extremely dark and you're just fighting with yourself to stay sane, especially because she was the thing that, you know, she was the person, she was the person who grounded me. So she was the person who you know, even though my husband was gone, she was, I could see so much of my husband in her Mm. and she was my purpose. She was the light of my life. And so to lose that, I was like, well, what do I have to live for now? I mean, Mm. I actually told my therapist, I'm like, I don't know why I'm still here. Like why? Because when you're a mom and a wife, like that's your purpose. You feel like that's your purpose in life. And I loved being a wife. I love being a mom. And so, um, it was very, very difficult. The first couple of months were extremely difficult. And I went through, I had a um, post-traumatic stress disorder from everything that happened to me. Yeah. And so I went into therapy. I did EMDR therapy mm-hmm. and that helped a lot. I also went to grief counseling once a week and I had done grief counseling once a week from the time my husband passed away. So I think grief therapy is why I'm here where I am Mm. and able to um, talk about it and be completely okay. I think um, a lot of people say, oh, I can't afford it. One tip that I always say, because a lot of people don't know this, is hospice providers in your area often provide free or very, very um, affordable grief counseling. So um, even if your significant other or whoever Um, family member wasn't on hospice care. So a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Um, So that helped me a lot. I had my, my current husband who I met two months after Charlie passed away. He helped a lot in that process and being super understanding and patient 
because that's, that's a lot for a new relationship. (laughs) So, so he helped me. I mean, there were days where I couldn't even function and I just had grief brain and I still have those days, um, occasionally, but I know how to deal with them. And I think just, I think the best course of action is to get the support that you need, get therapy and have an understanding and a patience with yourself that it's okay to have bad days. Um, so yeah, it was really, really rough. I'd say I, I didn't really start seeing the light, um, until probably like a year after she passed, it started getting a little bit easier to function, but it took a long time. Yeah. It's definitely a different grief than your spouse. Not saying like, well, to me, it was worse. I don't know. You know, I, having lost both a child is it, to me was worse than my spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that life was even your life anymore? Is, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it yeah, it totally makes sense. And no, I I always felt like I was in a dream. Yeah. Like this isn't my life. I thought maybe I had switched over into this alternative alternative dimension where I wasn't supposed to be. I was supposed to be with my family and I wasn't able to yeah. be there. So um yeah, I I did feel like it wasn't my life. Yeah. It was very it was very strange, very surreal. Um, experience. I still get that a little bit now, but much, much less so. I, yeah. cause I think, I think of it more now in a positive way. Like, wow, my life kind of kicks ass. Like how can this be my life right now? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel real at all. How were your friends during all of this and your family? My friends and family were great there were friends that I had lost touch with over the last couple of years, just because when you're so engrossed in this hospital life and going back and forth and you have a child with special needs, you just, it just naturally people fall away because they're, they have their own lives and they have their own things going on. But I do have some very close friends that I've stayed in touch with that really helped me through everything. And, um, yeah. Like I, I would just say it was family was great. They were super supportive and, and there for me didn't question my crazy idea of getting married to like a year after I met him. Yeah. They were, they were just like, Oh, she, she's got this. Like she knows, <laughs> like she's happy. They could see how happy I was. So yeah. everyone was very supportive through everything. My parents stayed in town for quite a few months after um, my daughter passed away, but I was okay. Like I, I was after a couple months, I was able to like be like, all right, I'm okay. Like I can, I can do this. Yeah. Are you in the same house, or were you? How long were you in that place for? Oh uh, no, I. For me, it was way too hard. Yeah. Um, it was way too hard to be in the same house. I sold that house um, about eight months, maybe about a year after it happened. Um, it was just really tough being in that space with my daughter's room and my other room. And I felt like in order to move forward, I had to have a new space that was not filled with all those memories. 
Cause not, a, I didn't have, like, I know like some people stay in their house because they're like, oh, I have good memories there, but some of my memories were not good. And, you know, finding my husband dying in our bed and stuff like that, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a good situation. So I needed for my mental health, I decided to sell it. Did you keep either of their stuff? Oh, I have so much of my daughter's stuff. My, my son plays with all of her toys and, mm. Um, unfortunately I had a couple incidences where like my water heater broke. So I lost a lot of her clothes and stuff like that, but I have tons of her stuff still. And we, we, he plays with it. He plays with her like favorite stuffed animals and it warms my heart just seeing, um, him just so excited to play with her toys. And my husband, I have some very select things that I've saved, Um, he was in the military, so I have all like his military stuff, his military medals. Um, I have a couple of his shirts that I just, I kept because I like to wear them. (laughs) Um, they're really comfortable and I wear them to bed and stuff. Mm. Um, but I don't actually have all that much from him. I got rid of a lot, but I, I feel like it was over time. I was letting go of those physical remembrances of him and I was okay with it because I have so many great memories and so to me I've never really been a physical like things person and so for me the pictures and videos and stuff is way more valuable to me than I felt like I donated his clothes I felt like some other person could use his clothes more than just keeping them around yeah I just recently, like I, when I had all my dad's stuff, I like held on to it. And then I just recently started like getting rid of stuff like a, a year later. Do you know what I mean? Like there's certain things now that I thought I wanted to keep and I slowly letting go of. And it's, it's nice. It's okay. Yeah. It's we, a good, it's a fun, pro- it's actually like a fun process in the way that it's yeah. like, you feel like you're kind of like, oh, I'm growing in this grief process. Like yeah. I can let go of these things for yeah. sure. Do you do anything to celebrate like birthdays or the days they pass? Like, or do you do anything on those days special? You know, I, I want to, Yeah. I think as my son gets older, we'll probably celebrate my daughter's birthday for sure. Yeah. Um, for me and Tommy's wedding anniversary, I always like watch our wedding video mm. and remember him in that way um on their death days it's just a really it's still really hard for me and so I don't put a lot I don't put pressure on myself to do anything special my current husband his name is Adam he usually buys me flowers for um their their death anniversaries and it's just a nice nice thing he does and I love flowers like I love having fresh flowers in the house so he'll just he doesn't even bring them to me. He he will just put them in a vase and put them on the table. And it's just a nice, nice gesture. Um, and usually I just spend that day watching videos and looking at pictures. Sometimes I'll write. Um, I love to write to get my feelings out. So sometimes yeah. I'll write a letter to them mm. or something like that. And that really helps me. Um, or I'll tell Adam stories of Tommy or Charlie and he yeah. he's... He's great about that because he'll just sit and listen and, and it's a nice way to share my past life with him as well. Does he ever get jealous? He actually doesn't get jealous. Um, 
there was one time that he did get jealous. And that was when we had just moved into our new house and um, we just had our son and I, it was our, me and Tommy's wedding anniversary. And I was looking for our wedding video and because we had moved, like I had no idea where it was, it was packed away. So I was looking through boxes and trying to find it. And I was kind of stressed out because I couldn't find it. And I really wanted to watch it because it's our anniversary. And so I ended up watching it. um, And I always made sure to be respectful. Like I never watched it in front of him or it was when I had like a private moment, you know, and he got really jealous of that. And I think it was just, it, we, when we talked through it, we figured out it was just a miscommunication. He felt in that moment for some reason that um, he just, he said that he didn't feel loved. Um, And also I think it was the fact that I was so eager to watch it and he didn't understand why it's one of the only videos that I have of my husband. That's not just my husband and my daughter. Cause like cell phone, video wasn't a thing for a long time. Yeah. And so I don't have many videos of just him. And so it's like a nice video of me and him as a couple, which I don't have. Yeah. So if I would have explained that a little better and prepared him for that, yeah. I think it would have been a lot better of a situation, but we worked through it and um, and now he's totally fine. He just knows that, the, you know, whenever it's my wedding anniversary, this is what I do. And he gives me that time and space to do it. And then we move on. That's nice. Mm-hmm. If you could tell Tommy one more thing, like, what would you want to tell him? Mm. I would tell him, tell Charles I love her. Mm. That's what I used to call my daughter, Charles, short for Charlie. I would just tell him that. There's nothing really else to say. Yeah. So um, I feel very grateful that I was able to really tell him things before he died. Um, I don't know if he heard any of it, but (laughs) I felt like very grateful that I could do that. And so I feel like that made a huge difference. I really feel like there's nothing that I I left unsaid. If someone's listening and they also lost their husband and their child, which happens. Yeah, it does. What are, what can you say? What does someone say that's been through that, that can? Oh, there's really no words other than, I mean, my only advice would be to hang on. Yeah. Just hang on because things don't get better, but things get different, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. I feel like there's no, there's nothing that you can do to feel better about that situation. And, you know, there's that time old time heals all, but it really doesn't. It doesn't at all. I'd say that the, the grieving process um, changes over time. You focus less on the sad and more for the happy. Um, And also your grief changes in 
you know, whatever you're feeling, whether it be sadness, loneliness, anger, go through all those phases, it slowly turns into gratitude and just try and make a goal to get there. And it might not happen. Everyone's on a different timeline, right? Like, I mean, for some people it happens in a year, for some people it's like five years, whatever. Yeah. But just make a goal like, hey, I want to I want to get there at some point and just kind of ride the waves and, you know, um, and find something that you love to do, I would say, too. Like just outside of the grief and everything, something you can focus on, some like a hobby that you really like and get super into it. Um, I feel like that's one a really good coping mechanism. Oh, yeah. And stay away from alcohol. Don't don't i really stayed away from alcohol through that entire process because i was like that is not how i want to cope and um it's a very slippery slope whenever you have no spouse no child at home and you can literally just sit around all day so yeah yeah do you have a one favorite memory with tommy and one favorite memory with charlie oh man my one favorite memory with Tommy was probably the time that we drove from Texas to San Diego mm-hmm. and we were bringing a car to his brother who lived in San Diego at the time. And we made it like a whole trip. We stopped in all, he was such a nature nerd. Yeah. So we stopped at all these like desert museums with all <laughs> these cool animals and you know, just the whole time together, he was my best friend. I mean, he was hands down. I just wanted to hang out with him all the time. And we had such a blast. He had this ability to make you feel like you were a kid again. Mm. And I loved that. He was, he was my person. He was my, my best friend. And so to spend that much time with him and be on an adventure and, it was just, it was totally his element, like on an yeah. adventure across the country, you know? Yeah. And so that's probably my favorite memory because we listened to great music and just had so much fun together. Um, and with my daughter, like every memory is my favorite memory. So there's no way I could choose. I, yeah. I There's seriously so many. I I can't choose any of them. They're, every memory that I have of her is, is amazing and and makes me smile so (laughs) I love it um lately I've been asking people if they'd be interested in like raising their hand and saying like I can be a person that you can dm reach out and just say hey I've also lost this person can I chat with you would you be interested in that at all oh yeah of course like I always welcome people to dm me and and just talk like even if it's just hey i had a crap day here's what happened i'm totally open to that i've met so many really cool people in my dm um my instagram is gooddays.baddays and yeah just send me a message let me know what's up i've met i met actually a woman who lost her daughter named charlie and so I mean, what are the odds that I would meet someone like that? So we had a great conversation. So I think it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Anyone who wants to chat with me, it's totally open to do so. That's awesome. And do you want to share a little bit about your podcast 
what you're doing. Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Plug. It's my baby. Yeah, plug. Um, so my podcast is Good Days, Bad Days, and I interview people who have lost loved ones. But in addition to that, I also will be interviewing people in the world of grief, like professionals, therapists, um, psychologists. I'm actually doing working on right now um, a faith series in which I am interviewing leaders of different faiths and talking what their perspective on loss and grief is. And so it's going to be really cool. I'm going to have a Catholic priest. I'm going to have um, someone from like a non-denominational Christian. I have a rabbi and I'm going to be, I'm looking for someone in the Islamic faith right now. So, mm. um, so I, I'm kind of just exploring this entire world of grief and and loss in all different cultures and it's my baby and i'm really excited to do it it's super fun i've i've loved doing it i'm interviewing some really close friends and finding out more about them and so yeah um, it's been a really really fun experience so far i love it well i love that first off the faith thing i also wanted to do but i love that you're actually doing it it was just an idea in my head but you're doing it and that's amazing I love that we're both in San Diego and we're both just trying to build this community of just hearing people's stories and just letting grief be an everyday conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I am so thankful that you said yes to starting <laughs> that podcast and and letting the things that you went through just now help people. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's my way of honoring Charlie and Tommy. And if I can help people along the way, then that's a huge plus. So, um, mm. yeah. And I and thank you for doing what you do. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, I was really, I was doing my walks today and listening and, um, it's really, it's really great. And I love the intro on your intro that it's the voicemail. Yeah. 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 That's great. My, my <laughs> intro has a voicemail too. And I was like, Oh my God, I love, I love hearing those voicemails. Cause it's something that you, people leave and they don't think about it but then whenever they pass away it's like well, I've listened to this like five million times you know yeah, yeah. I mean my grandfather today is his 90th birthday oh, wow. um but the other day he left me and he's in hospice so mm. you know um but he left me a voicemail the other day I think for the first time because I always answer the phone yeah and I just know I you know I already because of my dad I like know that that's the voicemail that I'm gonna have forever and ever yeah you know? yeah Oh, I have, I save all my voicemails. My voicemail is like full. My mailbox yeah. is always full because I save everyone's voicemails. Because you know how important it is. <laughs> totally is. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. It's a mark of time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's really great. Well, thank you again. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. This was really fun. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Mine. 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 Mike. Mike. Hot Mike. Hi. Hey. That was crazy. What was crazy? Well, I thought we broke my recording thing, but in reality, <laughs> it just needed new batteries. Wow. Here yeah. we are. Here we are. Well, how you doing? I'm fine. My hip hurts. Yeah, what's going on? Who knows? Maybe someone can diagnose you that's listening. Maybe. What's wrong? I have a bad hip. The That's about it. The doctors will flood into the DMs. I'll <laughs> let you know what they say soon. Nice. How are you? 
I am okay. You know, this episode came, I recorded a few months ago, and I listened all the way back today, and it's just, it's crazy to see where I was compared to how I'm doing now. Not saying I was bad then, I was just, it's different. Mm. Listening back, uh, that's what kind of makes it special, mm-hmm. is listening to back, <laughs> listening back to hearing me and hearing my perspective and my thoughts and and I was just in a different place just very much like still in a weird spot like when I recorded that it was um around the time that my the one year anniversary like a month than that mm. it's just hard but you know yesterday was kind of cool um I was going through some of my dad's old stuff looking he he collected um baseball cards and basketball card like uh sports cards yeah and apparently they're worth a little money these days so i was just doing a little research but going through and like even opening up that bag and just like it probably doesn't smell like him but it smells like what his house used to smell like in it you know what i mean just like musky musty yeah you know what i mean yeah so that was nice to kind of have that and it was just nice talking to her you know i feel like that brought up a little emotion for me because good gosh her story is wild right and i just i can't fathom yeah you know i mean i was even telling you earlier but like losing our dog diego would be heartbreaking but to lose your your spouse and then your child Mm, yeah i could nope that I mean, and then now she just so her outlook on life now and where she's at, married and has a, a boy, and it's just uh, it's so crazy, so wild, you know. And that's a spot that I'm sure she doesn't wish upon anyone, but right. she, you know, she she's made she made her life out of something and, and yeah. worth something Which again. Which is like so crazy. I mean, I was tearing up just listening to it, yeah. you know, and I I was in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it, you know. Right. So just hearing that, it's it's grief is crazy. Yeah. And like, I feel like in all honesty, I go in and out of these like, is this what I want to do? Is this helping anyone? Is Mm -hmm. anyone even listening to this? Yada, yada, right? And then on the other hand, I'm just like, oh, I forgot what I, like once I'm in it, in it, you know, listening to conversations or editing, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm actually having a conversation talking to grief, talking about grief with someone. Yeah. And it matters. Yeah. You know, and I just hope that if anyone is listening, who, however many, whoever, it's just, I hope it helps. I hope this is worth it, you know? Yeah. So, that's all. New merch. Nice. What do you got for us? We got a couple shirts. Nice. We have a mug. I just got the mug today and it looks awesome. It does. Um, And we got a sweatshirt. Love sweatshirt. We got a poster. Nice. It says, I love you. Cute. And I'm just ready to just let the merch hang, you know, let it all come out. Yeah. Let's just see it. Cool. Let's start talking about grief. Yeah. You know, I think that's the most important thing about the the merchandise is I just it's another conversation starter. Mm, you know, true. grief groups, podcasts, conversations. And then I guess the next logical thing is just merch. People yeah. is like, what's that rose? What's the death of mine? What mm-hmm. What is this? And then just opens up the conversation you know yeah then you can share your story yeah 
maybe someone you know has gone through something similar and you had no idea because yeah. that's happened to you, right? All the time. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And just talk about, just talk about it. You know, I, I feel like grief is one of the most, that and like how much people get paid. Like there's certain things that people just don't oh. talk about. <laughs> it's like, what are you about <laughs> yeah. to say right now? But you know what I mean? Like there's certain things that people just don't talk about. Yeah. And like one of them I feel like is grief. You talk to your therapist maybe about it. That's it. Yeah. It's not a conversation people try to have with their families. It's not what they're trying to have with their friends because they don't want to yeah. be a downer. Yeah. And from well, and it's hard because like life is so like go, go, go as you get older. Right. Not that that's an excuse, but it's just like just another like obstacle. Totally. So I don't know. I think this is cool because you take time. Thank you. And We're people like listening, they're taking time even if they're not talking about it. Like listening and having their own thoughts. Yeah. You know, the one year anniversary from the, the grief groups is coming up. Nice. Are you still doing those? No. No. There was no more demand. Mm. Maybe close to, maybe I'll do one around Christmas just to see, but Yeah. Who knows? Well and it's like harder over Zoom. Yeah. It is. Not as like I want to use the word intimate, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah, like I always feel weird over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, some people do it like every day. Yeah. Anywho, long drawn out, but get the merch. Follow Good Days, Bad Days podcast. That was Rachel's podcast. Oh, follow the podcast. Yeah. Follow <laughs> the death of my. If you need to talk, reach out. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.